You think it's all about strength, but it's not. You think it's all speed. It's not. Strategy. Look, you got to find your opponent's weakness, and then you exploit it. Now, listen to me. Youth is a tool, all right? It's a good tool, but it's only one of the tools. There's also knowledge. There's, there's focus. Strategy. You think you can whoop my ass? What do you think? I'm tired of thinking, motherfucker. folks and welcome to another episode Oof, been away a long time people and i apologize we'll get into it later on in about a couple of minutes to the sin of podcast i am one of your hosts gary hill and with me today in the afternoon is suzanne greetings gary how's it going oh just trying to get myself out of the seasonal holiday depression Every year, I swear to God, I go through this thing where I'm either really chipper or ready to tear people's heads off. Yeah. I mean, I get that, you know, and just, uh, truth be told, I was, I was at Suzanne's house for Thanksgiving, and it was a, she made a, they made a wonderful meal that, uh, any, anybody, any good person does, would deserve, and, uh, I'm, I, I don't fancy myself a good person, but, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, you deserved it. I, I, I ate some good food at Suzanne's house, uh. They could they could do some bird. I think they said really well. And uh, they ain't lying. It was real good, you know. Um, Thank you. Yes, indeed. But uh, I, I there was a point in the day where I, I had to get going pretty soon anyway. But there was a point in the day where I do this thing where I sulk for for my own you know selfish and foolish reasons, mostly for the fact that you know the job that I work and uh, the family that that are around me. I have had other family I would like to see, but I don't see that often. I, I, people's good times literally give me a pain in my stomach here on the holiday times. And it's not even, it's not even a selfish thing. It's not even, I wish you have a shitty holiday thing. I hope you guys all have great holidays. I, I hope you guys get a lot of love and joy with your respective families. I just don't feel it to a point to where it, 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 I, it causes me pain. That's how much I just can't stand it, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, I understand. Like I said, it's a really hard time of the year for me. I fake it a lot because Pat loves Christmas, and I want it to be as good for him. Yeah. I want him to have the best Christmas without me being the one sulking around and bitching constantly under my breath. I save that for you. Yeah, well, there's that, you know. I mean, that's why this year that um, I'm telling you now that we're not going to have an official Christmas um, episode because I don't want to feel obligated to have one of those, to tell you the absolute truth. So we're going to have a special treat for you guys if, if, if it all comes through. And uh, where we, uh, we we spread some hate around the holidays. 
And it's gonna be I'm a, down. It's going to be a good time, I got a feeling. So stay tuned for that. But uh, now that all that, you know, sharing of the of the of the grievances is over, all, all festivists <laughs> and whatnot. Festivists. Uh, yeah, Suzanne, what have you been watching? Oh wow, um, it's been a while. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I finally got to kick back and watch Incredibles two, and that was spectacular. Totally. I do. I think it was as good as one. I'm not sure, but there are some genuinely funny moments. Totally, Mr. Mom, right? It was, it was, and uh, Jack Jack was hilarious. Um, I watched one of my friends had me track down a movie for them because they couldn't remember the name of it. So they're like, they gave me like two things that were in it. So I found it and watched it and it was called an American ghost story. And you know me, I love a good ghost story. I can't help myself. I do. And this one was, it, it didn't suck. I don't think it was super great, but it kept me entertained for the most part. And then again, it could have been uh, uh, about eight glasses of cheap Pinot Grigio that might have helped that along. Well, we'll figure that one out later when I try to watch it again. Um, oh, my God. I I watched the two movies for tonight. I got to watch the the epic Trog with the NFW crew. If you haven't seen Trog. I would watch it just for the sheer crazy factor. Not a great movie by any stretch, but if you're with your friends, you will be entertained. It kind of looks like uh, the truck looks like he's wearing a monkey mask. With the, the, I will give it that that the mouth and the teeth and the eyebrows, everything works really good of the, of the head. But the problem is, it looks like Trog is wearing fuzzy Uggs boots. And looks like he's got bad weave hanging down from that that very workable head. Oh yeah, he does. It was what did we find out? It was like leftovers from two thousand one. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what it was. It looked really bad, but but it had a nice effect with the the trog head, probably because they borrowed it from somebody else, which is okay. Yeah. You know, I agree. <laughs> and I know I've watched a bunch of stuff lately. I'm just blank. <laughs> that's okay I, I do that constantly I, I, I did type out a few things uh, first of all a couple of recommendations I could recommend you guys upgrading if you guys haven't already I watched uh, I got the Critters box set from, from Shop Factory for a Critters fan like myself I know Suzanne's not a big big fan it's packed to the gills with, with uh, goodies for Critters fans and let me tell you the films never looked better they all got beautiful 2K scans even the lesser ones, <clears throat> three and four, uh, part two is still an Easter Sunday tradition for me. So God bless Mick Garris and all his, all of his glory. And uh, he gave me a film to watch for Easter that's not about Jesus. It's about critters on Easter <laughs> and, and j- jumping in an uh, Easter bunny suit eating the guy. It's pretty awesome. Um, but those look really great. Recommended. I, I'm not, I don't get paid. I don't get screeners from these people. I just know what I like. So check that out. Uh, another upgrade I can recommend getting because they put some. I know this sounds really weird. They put some work into these, but uh, First Blood uh, the, the, and the, the the first three Rambo's. I only had the first two, but uh, the first two look spectacular. I mean, if you've seen First Blood, I'm sure most people listen to the show have. You know, there's a lot of landscapes in the movie. Is because Rambo's in the woods. You know, killing off the man. He's he's killing off the popos like like Court loves so much. And uh, but um, 
very beautiful, and it, it, it's only enhanced by 4K, so if you haven't yet, at a live view, my friends have got them this Black Friday, because they were like $6 or something ridiculous, so uh, watch those sooner rather than later. <clears throat> uh, rewatch for Thanksgiving, of course, I watched Dutch, with uh, the wonderful Ed O'Neill and Ethan, Ethan Embry now, I think he was Ethan Randall back in those days. Great road film. I choose it every time over um, Planes, Trains, Automobiles. Not that I'm hating on that movie. It's just I have a closer kinship to Ed O'Neill and the boy. And uh, I do enjoy Dutch quite a bit still. Only thing about it is uh, its uh, availability sucks. Because it had a Blu-ray for a little while. And that went out of print. And it has a VHS. And it's not available on digital at all. So you can't really get it. Which is a shame. So that is a shame. That's actually I haven't watched that in years, and I, once again, I don't want to hate on planes, trains, and automobiles, but that movie has just been played to death. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's I don't I don't have any hatred for it you at know, all. You know, what's it's fun if you've never seen it before. It's kind of a remake, but it's it's not really Robert Downey getting home for Thanksgiving he's getting home to, to see the birth of his baby is uh, Due Date with him and Galifianakis is uh, is pretty funny I, I do enjoy that movie uh, Zach, Zach Galifianakis who I don't like in very many things I like him in that and uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses but that's even more <laughs> that's more Gal Gadot and John Hamm than Zach Galifianakis and, and Isla Fisher is his wife in that movie I don't know how he pulled that one off because Damn. Yeah. She, she's a, a spicy redhead, and uh, I don't see it. Uh, you know? uh, he's a real funny guy, though. Come on. You know? Oh, I remember the other one I watched. What'd you watch? Summer of 84. Oh, yeah. You like that one. Tell us all about it. Oh, my God. Um, well, apparently this summer when I was, uh, you know, I'd, I, <laughs> I read a lot, and I just kept finding myself falling into these kind of coming of age stories with, you know, really dark twists. And I, when I saw it on Shudder, I could not wait to kick back and watch it. And it just, everything that I had hoped it would be, it was. Mm-hmm. And then some. It starts out basically, you know, you're a bunch of kids and, you know, one of them thinks that their neighbor is a serial killer. Well, and, like uh, you, yeah. and well, crazy ensues I have never been so shocked at certain scenes as I was in that movie I'm usually I want everybody to die I'm happy when everybody dies that's why I'm a horror fan Uh and the other one I watched was Hereditary yeah you like that one too and I really like that one a lot and I know the camp is split on it I know some people think it's it's a little too artsy fartsy I, the only thing I will admit about the movie is the ending has some problems. I turned that movie off after half an hour. Fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's our friend Willis. I'm sorry. Sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> kind of sorry. Kind of not sorry. I thought but I saw I'm... Babadook in there. <laughs> oh, my God. But he likes the witch. Yeah, and well, like I'll, I'll admit, there's naked things movie, in the witch, so there's naked things in them, though. Yeah, but it's I need a little bit more than naked. Give me a story that doesn't suck. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. People, people do like the witch, though. I'm not. I'm I not know, and it would be something I should totally be into, 
but I found I, I, I was kind of into it, but I found the story to be a little weak, and I absolutely hated the fucking ending. I'm sorry, the bitch. I'm sorry. The bitch. Yeah, continue on, Harry. Though, what did you like about it? I loved the story. I, I, but I, I really liked Tony Collette. And I was really surprised that was Gabriel Byrne. I barely recognized him until he spoke. I, like I said, the ending has got some issues. I think they just had so many ideas that they tried to throw everything in the blender. And the ending was a little, was quite a bit of a mess. But it wasn't uh, as much of a mess to me as the ending at the the Viviches. The Viviches. But I really enjoyed it. And like I said, I know most people, I mean, the camp's pretty much split. I'm not <laughs> saying this is like, you know, your number one movie of the year or anything, but I'm like, I think it's a damn good movie. I was interested the whole time. The story was <laughs> really fascinating. Yeah. I heard the end was bonkers like the last half an hour. So there's that. Yeah, like I said, there are certain parts of the ending. Like I said, it, the ending is a mess. I think the ending is a mess. Okay. But yeah, those are the only two. I'm like, all, all of a sudden remember that, oh, oh yeah. That's fun. I uh, went to the movies and I saw a few things. Um, one of which I'll go slightly in-depth about. The other two I will not go so far in-depth about. <clears throat> I saw the the Robin Hood, the, the, the brand new, <laughs> of course, the brand new Robin Hood story. That's the same as the old Robin Hood story. But with little twists in it. Uh, this one stars uh, Taron Edgerton, who people may know from the Kingsman series. And he's going to play Elton John in that, that Rocketman movie. I think the actor's real fine. I really like him and stuff. <clears throat> but he decided to jump in this lackluster Robin Hood project, which is a film that needed needed to, to um, stop concentrating on how can we make this story different than any other Robin Hood story. And then and they just do the damn thing. I mean... Um, Basically, you have you start the, the 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 film from when he was young, rich squire Robin of Loxley. This Loxley still has his money, still has his manner, and that he's forced to go fight in their crusade crusades by order of the sheriff of Nottingham, <clears throat> you know, just so he could seize his land and try to steal his girl and basically cause the people all kinds of turmoil, like the sheriff of Nottingham does. But the the, the fact that they sent him away on these crusades and they they showed him in the war. Which is probably the best action sequence in the whole film is when he's fighting the uh, the Arabian soldiers. One of which is is Jamie Fox, which I think is a cool twist in the film because he's the guy who becomes Little John in the movie. He comes back to to Nottingham and he essentially becomes his ally to take down the sheriff. And that's and that was cool. That was a cool twist in the story. But the rest of it, <clears throat> he spent no time in Sherwood Forest. It's a lot of, let's start a revolution with these people that live in the mines, which are supposed to be like the Merry Men, but it's more like, let's get organized and have a, 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 a dispute with the sheriff. It's like they tried to throw politics in there, and the, the, the story didn't hold a lot of weight, or I just didn't care. Anyway, uh, F. Marie Abraham shows up as the evil cardinal, and that was always cool. But she almost wished that he was the sheriff because the guy they had playing the sheriff, your main villain in any one of these fucking Robin Hood stories was a, was fucking hot garbage. He didn't he didn't seem sinister at all. <clears throat> he didn't seem like a bad guy. I'm not I'm not looking for Rickman's status here because Rickman Rickman. Oh, he king. was great. 
He's the best sheriff you're ever going to have, Alan Rickman, who we, of course we do not have anymore. But this guy, he, was, he wasn't dastardly. He was just like, yeah, I'm being foiled by this Robin Hood character. Yada, yada, bullshit. Not even getting really, really that mad, being all fucking noble about it. But the guy, guy of Ginsburg was, was pretty dope in the movie. I, I really liked that. That character was pretty great. But it just was a lot of little stuff in there. They tried to throw some PTSD shit in there, which didn't have a place in there. So don't... There's a reason why the movie tanked. Because it, it, it looked like hot garbage. But I needed a third thing to see that day. <laughs> but um, don't don't see Robin Hood unless you like going to red box that shit. And you really love you some Taron Edgerton. Because I, I do. That's, that's, that's what, what sold the ticket right there. Is yeah, I really I love him in The Kingsman. Oh. I hope they do another Kingsman movie soon. Yeah, that's that's ha- that's a prequel happening. And now <coughs> they announced a regular film happening. But a Charles Charles Dance has been signed on to be in the prequel, I guess. So that's that's a big up right there. I'm excited about that. Um other stuff I saw that day, uh Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh the sequel to of course Wreck-It Ralph, uh in which <coughs> Vanellope and Ralph they get internet, they, they get Wi-Fi in the arcade, so since Vanellope, somebody, somebody broke the, the, the steering wheel on Sugar Rush, so they gotta go find a steering wheel on the internet. They don't, they're, they're, it's one of those films like, ooh, we don't know what the internet is, but it's 2018, so that's <laughs> my main my main problem with the story, is that they're, they're acting like, and, and this is fine, they're putting, they're thrusting them into this internet world where they don't know any, anything about it, but we're in 2018, and we know a lot about. Even your kids know a lot about. You got two year olds that can use a tablet. People, it's not like it's it's a hard thing to do. And, but um, they play it real dumb in certain points. Like, ooh, what's eBay? What's Google? You know, what's 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 uh in- Instagram or something? You know, and they go explore these places. And the big the big through line of the film is <clears throat> that probably the reason why I didn't like it so much is that it's mostly about Vanellope and mostly about her being, like, bored with her station inside Sugar Rush. Of course, according to her, there's only three tracks and she knows all the tracks and she's really, really bored with life. So she's gonna go find this this group of toughs inside, like, this Grand Theft Auto uh, video game that she she becomes friends with and she wants to live there rather than the arcades. It's more about her independence as for, from the arcade into the the World Wide Web of, of, you know, freedom. But the stuff they saw in the commercials was really great. I mean, the princess stuff was, was top-notch. They they had all all the original princess voices that you've known and loved over the years um, show up and show out, making funny jokes. And uh, my uh, my little nephew of sorts would be really excited. He's four. And uh, Moana says you're welcome in the movie. He'll be very excited when he sees that. And uh, <laughs> so... But yeah, it's it's I give it it's not as good at all as the first one, but I give it a good seven out of ten still, and I, it'll probably get higher on repeat viewings. But the big one that I have to go take my mother to go see now because she saw Creed one now recently is Creed two. <clears throat> Everything you expected to be, it's it's the best parts of Rocky four mixed in with some Rocky two, and uh, it's it's really fucking enjoyable. It's like a like a revenge story in a way. If you've seen the commercials, if you've seen. I haven't watched all the little videos before I went and seen it because that would just ruin everything. If you don't know the plot of it, uh, Ivan Drago, who's been shamed by his country all those years, for 30 years ago from, from losing to Rocky, <clears throat> now has a son of his own. 
and he um, teaches him to fight this big fucking massive dude. So naturally, you know, when uh, Adonis uh, wins the the title, the, the heavyweight title, it's time for him to show up and show out and challenge him to a fight. Of course, you know, stuff happens where, you know, you get beat down, you get back up again. You know, I don't want to give any plot points, but anyway, it's, it's really fucking... Everything expected to be, with the exception of, you know, people were complaining about, you know, the montage scene was too short. I don't agree with that. They need to go get up off their high horse and go shut the fuck up. But, uh... <laughs> if you haven't yet, it made $60 million over the opening weekend and well fucking deserved. But Rocky has announced this week, and this should be the death segment because it's a big deal, that he's retired the Rocky character after this movie. So no more Rocky people, just Adonis, which is fine because they built up that character enough for him to be, you know, on his own. So if you watch these these Creed films, they never really made it a story about Rocky. Just Rocky was more in the background, and that's the way I think Stallone preferred it, I think that's the way that we all prefer it, is that they let Michael B. Jordan do his thing, have his time to shine. And I think that's uh, good. And it's better than Black Panther people, by by far. So, that's, I'll leave it at that. Uh, one, I'll, I'll say these last two things because they're connected, in a way. I watched Curse of the Puppet Master for Duncan's uh, Puppet Master uh, Russian Roulette um, franchise thing. That's the one that I drew. I'm kind of glad I did because it's a Dakota one. And it's a movie that <clears throat> was terribly hurt by, you could tell, by budget, by lack of participation from Charles Band, because it's the very first one that he did, was not involved with. And because uh, the story is sound, the guy has a sideshow, and who happens to have some of these puppets now, and he hires this young simpleton who's knows how to carve things, so he wants to make puppets with the intention of putting human souls into them with this machine. And... The story is sound. The execution is poor. It's the first time they've ever had... They didn't have stop-motion puppets in it. So that those look like... They look good, but they, they're not as good as they should have been. Um, the reason why I mentioned this is a two-part thing is because... <coughs> right after I watched the movie... With uh, old Dirk Benedict that Suzanne got to meet. I'll talk about that later. Um, and, um, the, the reason why those films are connected is because they took like 60% of that script to make this script out of. So it's almost like the same dealio, except it didn't have Strother Martin or Dirk Benedict in it to like make a movie out of it. Had like a bunch of no-name-its, and they didn't act very well. Uh, <laughs> the Snake movie was good. I, I, I enjoy the camp of the 70s feel of it, and uh, I, I the end, although there, there, there was sex with a snake man, oh, half-snake man in the movie, there was no snake baby, I, I, was, I got over it pretty fast because, you know, it, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> no snake baby, Suzanne. Um, that's about it for that. Um, I'll get into that segment now, the beef bitches and mashed potatoes. Suzanne. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order fries. Who gets the barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Suzanne, what's your beef, girl? Oh, I hate the weather. 
Yeah. I hate snow. I hate the holidays. And uh, I really can't wait until January 5th when it'll all be over and done with. Well, the holidays, not the fucking snow. So yeah, I'm just, I'm done with it already. It's not even winter yet, and it's just, it fucking sucks. Yeah, we had a nice mix of it the other day. Uh, <laughs> nice rain. Uh, at first it rained, and then it sleeted, and then it snowed, and it made the roads it's just just unbearable. And uh, just, Oh, uh, yeah, I had to chisel my car out of a block of fucking ice. There was two <clears throat> inches at least of ice on my car. I had to get I, – I was afraid to use anything that could damage it, so I had to go get a dustpan. Mm. I was using the dustpan, the edge of that, to ever so carefully chisel out a door. <laughs> there were three I – mean, at least – I know there are at least two inches of ice, and I mean, we're not talking light ice. We're talking solid fucking ice. I couldn't even open the door. So I finally chiseled enough and knocked enough away that I could get inside and actually turn it on. But yeah, this weather fucking sucks. Yes, it does. I agree with that. Oh man, I have I have a couple things, and you know, the, one of them happened over the holidays. <clears throat> my girl, uh, my Slayer, uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, put a sexy picture of herself on the internet. I think on Instagram that is her and her her underwears wearing something else over. She looked very very good, and I'm not saying she's old, but you know, then to now, damn. Okay, and the caption said, "I'm gonna post these all around my house to remind myself not to eat too much this Thanksgiving, this holiday." And I thought it was a good joke, and I'm sure a lot of folks did, but people were offended that she put this up. I was like, she's a beautiful woman with a beautiful body. You know why? Why? You're going to, like, thwart every woman that's been in Maxim Magazine? You know, if I say, you know what, you shouldn't dress like that. You're a family person. Which, you know, for for, for, for now, she kind of is. Because she's <clears throat> had this whole second life. I think uh, she writes books now to, like, bake healthier and stuff like that. Like, she, she's had this whole second life as, like, this this baking expert and stuff. And good, good for her, you know. But, um, girl, I know you're not listening, but... Don't be ashamed of your body. You look good. And I don't think you should have apologized for shit. Because people can't take a joke. You know, fuck them. It, 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 it's crazy. Well, you know, everybody is just standing in line to be offended by something now. Oh, now it's, now it's Franklin from, from Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Oh, God. Because he's sitting on the opposite side of the table. And because he's sitting in supposedly a lesser chair than the rest of them. They oh, must, my God. They must really? be racist. You know. <laughs> oh, God. It's, it's just everybody needs to grow a thicker skin and move the fuck on. You sit across to the lesbian peppermint patty for Christ's sake, so you can't be that that intolerant. You know, although if anybody picked up a book or read an article about Charles Schultz, they'd realize that he's one of the most tolerant guys that ever lived. So just shut the fuck up. Get over yourselves. You know, he's Charles fucking Schultz. He's an American treasure. You're not. You're some motherfucker on a fucking high horse, okay? And, no, some, and somebody like me can't wait to knock you off that high horse, so keep that in mind. Yes, indeed. This, this is why I have Suzanne. I love her to death, but she can beat up women that I can't. Because that, be, <laughs> that, be that would make me an intolerant man and an abusive male and a toxic male. I don't want to be that person. So I say, Suzanne, 
over there. You know, she's animal. You know. <laughs> kind of like an attack dog now, huh? Man, not, not, <laughs> not in a bad way, you know. Oh, I know. Not in a bad way. I, I wouldn't do it unless it really called for the occasion, Suzanne. You know. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, there's that. And then, um, I, I don't know. I don't have too much to be upset about. There, there, I'm sure there's other things. You know, I got the Blackhawks who are on a freeze out with me right now because I didn't get to talk about this in the show yet. But our beloved coach Q, Joe, Joe Quenville. Like the, the winningest coach. The, in like the third winningest coach in NHL history. Third yeah. winning is it, it all. Oh, Gary, it'll be fine. We got a twelve-year-old boy leading the team. Yeah, I know, I'm, and I, I'm not watching them because I, he, I can't. I just can't un, do it. Unjustly fired. They were not losing in a sense. They they lost some games in there, and he they never gave him a reason why he was fired. They hired this young asshole to be the coach, and you know they're in the they're in the how do you yeah, be I, in, in the rebuilding phase in the, in the middle of the of the season? It's just like yeah, we're dumping this guy. You got a couple more forwards. Whatever. I hope you fucking lose terribly. You, you, I know what you're thinking, guys. You love the Hawks. You, you know why are you talking? I wish they would lose. I don't wish this for the players. I wish this for the front office. Because at the end of the day, you know we we have a, a goalie that was away for I don't know a year and a half. Yeah. For, from alcohol problems and God knows what else problems. If you listen to the stories, basically he kept saying that oh I'm 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 well but I'm not ready to come back. What the fuck does that mean? Just this is the point where you say we're gonna go look for somebody else. The, the goalie in question is the, the Blackbird himself, uh, Black Crow himself, uh, Corey Crawford, who's our, our goalie in, in, in the pipes. And this guy is a fucking loser who, who goes out and gets drunk and gets and, in fights. It gets in fights and blah blah bullshit. They won't admit this is the problem, but at the end of the day, they fired Joel Quenville. Because they chose Corey Crawford over him. That, that, that was the dumbest fucking thing they could have fucking done. That was the fucking linchpin for me to, to freeze them out this season. And I fucking love hockey. And now I'm fucking forced to watch football. Which I know... Oh my god, I, poor thing. I know a lot of people <laughs> love football. But I'm not one of those people who love football. Okay? It's not, it's not my sport. I know the rules of football, so if I sat in a game, you wouldn't have to sit there and explain things to me profusely of what's going on in the game. So but I, I love suicidating football to people. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so I guess I'm a good friend in that way, to where I can sit sit there and you know watch the game, and you don't have to explain to me what the line of scrimmage is and what a safety is and what you know. I know all the rules of the football game. But it's unfortunately not my sport that I love. Sport I love is hockey, and I'll be forced to watch some other team that I can give two craps and a stroke about, like the Flyers or the fucking Rangers. I can't. I just if it's not the Blackhawks, I can't watch it. So if you get you got a team out there, I'm, I'm rooting for you. Unless you're a St. Louis Blues fan, then I can't do it because you know. Well, I mean, if you want to make a, a you know a presentation for me to follow and root for your hockey team, I'm open. Okay, we, we can't root for ours right now though. We, we just can't do it. I, I can't. I can't root for them. And it's like it's not the players; it's the front office. I, I hope they stand. Yeah, the they, front office fucked it. They they don't Rocky words all you fucks. I I I, I know you're not going to lose any money because you you get the the rich hoity toity white fucks. I hate our our, our home team fans. Oh god, they're awful. Games. They're the fucking worst. These are people who spend hundreds of dollars on tickets, people, just to sit there and say I paid here. 
I'm going to drink my fucking $11 beer and just sit here. They don't make any noise. They don't do anything. Worst fucking hockey town in the world, almost. Okay? Oh, oh yeah. It's, and it is the most annoying fucking white people. Because I've gone to a couple of games. And I, and I end up sitting next to those people who also bring their 20 fucking children. I hate the Flyers, but I wish we had their fan spirit. I wish we did. Okay? I hate the fucking Flyers. But they Am I get... still here? Uh, what now? Okay, cool. Yeah. I was afraid I bounced oh, out again. You're okay. I hate the fucking Flyers, but I wish we had their fans. I wish we did. As far as, like, the amount of spirit that goes into, like, them watching the game. Because our fans fucking suck. And I see it every time I watch the game. I was like, yeah, you just, you're just terrible. Why did you even come here? You know? Oh, like I said, I'm the one. I always get stuck next to the white people that bring up their fucking kids. <laughs> yeah. And I am, I am which, very, which very, cool. very you know, loud. If you got little kids, you know, it's cool to have them Yeah, but they need to have a section for families and away from, you know, the people that really are into the game. Come on, Suzanne. It's not a, it's not a restaurant. <laughs> it's just annoying. Suzanne says, fuck your children. Yeah, fuck your children. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's about <laughs> it, though. Yeah. yeah. That's about it for my beefs. Uh, to today, we're going to discuss two films. Uh, the name of the ep- episode is called Not As Advertised, for, for good reasons, because these are two films that share the names of more popular films that are, are way different than those films, okay? Um, first one being uh, 1967's IT! Exclamation point, with um, Roddy McDowell is in this movie. It's from 1967, I mentioned already. I said it twice. Uh, <laughs> nothing to do with a clown, people, at all. Surprisingly, they made a movie called It that doesn't have a clown in it, and uh, no oh. no, ch- no children whatsoever are in this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're doing that first, and then we're going to do Gladiator from 1992, which has nothing to do with uh, a Gladiator story that involves uh, an inner outlaw Josie Wales plot they ripped off, or Russell Crowe, or Joaquin Phoenix... Or even not even Oliver Reed, but if Oliver Reed was in this film and, and the Brian Denny role, Denny role playing it exact same way, I think I love that so so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would love it so so much. Other Brian Denny he does fine. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll start with the movie It from 1967. I gotta say it just like that because there's an exclamation point after it. Um, right after this. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. The Projection Booth is single-handedly the greatest film podcast you could ever listen to or could possibly want. Top-notch. Five stars. This has quickly become one of my favorite film-related podcasts. Always interesting. A completely unpretentious yet fully comprehensive look at films from all genres. This podcast is an amazing resource and one that helps in the discovery or rediscovery of films for anyone who enjoys thinking about cinema. If you love movies and podcasts, subscribe and enjoy the Projection Booth. Every episode is beautifully crafted to give you a true audio experience, a wonderful companion to the films they cover. The Projection Booth is awesome. A wide range of films covered from classic to cult to contemporary, thoroughly researched, very entertaining, and always informative. The amount of work and effort that goes into this podcast is something to behold. Interviews, critiques, music, and trailers. These are just the tip of the encyclopedic completeness each episode holds. 
It's also really fun. I listen to a lot of movie podcasts, and there are a lot of really good ones out there. But the projection booth is by far the only one I listen to with any regularity. It's like a special features disc of your favorite Criterion Collection release. Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. is afraid of it. Look at the ache in his face. That's what killed the old man. Bombs can't kill it. Fire can't burn it. Water can't drown it. Only one man can control it, and he is bad. I'm your master. Lower your arms. I am your master. Bella. 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 first movie we'll be discussing is it from 1967 your cheapo plot synopsis is after one of their storehouses burnt down museum director grove and his assistant pym find everything destroyed only one statue withstood the fire mysteriously undamaged suddenly grove is lying dead on the ground killed by the statue pym finds out that the cursed statue has been created by rabbi Lowe in the 16th century and will withstand every human attempt to destroy it pym decides to use it to his own advantage all right gary what are your thoughts on this little gem i think it kicks off pretty well actually and uh those jews can make a really strong statue is all i'm saying they're they're, they're good at they're good at a lot of things and uh statue building that can withstand lots of things and are kind of dumb because this thing is really dumb but um it, it actually plays off pretty well though as uh I, I, I dug it as uh, Ronnie McDowell I is, is pretty you know great in, in this much like anything he's in because he plays that um c- conniving dude in this movie he, who's itching to be this curator of this museum but he's fighting being fought at every turn because he's just this little fucking worm who steals stuff from the museum constantly. <laughs> I don't know, well, I he returns like, it. He does return it, which you're not going to do like what I don't like about it. Too. <laughs> 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 why, why he collects this jewelry for somebody. Um, you get, you got, um, he falls in love with the hot assistant who of course is in love with the detective. So he, again, foiled again, but uh, the, the the thing of his power is that he has this this statue, this golem, that uh, is at his command because he finds there there's a scroll that that'll that'll if you put it in the golem's mouth it, it'll it'll keep him it'll keep him it'll wake him up and make him your slave basically your bitch and there's a great move in here where he's he kills somebody by a head smashing him and 
it doesn't cut away, which surprised the hell out of me for 1967 that they 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 let they showed that on screen. It wasn't bloody at all. It just it was the fact that you put somebody in a headlock and clonked them on their head to, to their death, which is pretty great. Uh, <clears throat> the golem itself uh, looks like if you took a GI Joe and you melted them. It, it looks like that, but really tall. But um, I, I like the simplicity of this movie because the whole time he's killing people, you really don't see the golem move around until like 40 minutes into the film. And if you thought that Chief Woodhead from Creepshow 2 was clunky as fuck, you haven't seen the golem in this movie. But again, this is 1967. That's like 1987. So you had a little bit more care going into the special effects. Um, I... I <sighs> There's a subplot in this movie that doesn't make any sense to me, and I'm sure Suzanne will confer with this with me. Ronnie McDowell, I guess they were going for that, that psycho dollar, because he has a corpse of a mother that he keeps around his house, yeah. and it puts baubles on and stuff for no good reason for the museum. This plot line doesn't go anywhere. That's the only real flaw of this movie, is like, why, why would you do this just to convince the audience more that, that Ronnie McDowell's a nutcase? And yeah, oh, I agree with you 100% on that because it really – they definitely – the first – when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, my God, really? They they had to go for the for the psycho dead mom thing. Uh-huh. All right. And it just – it really did make that and even when you would borrow stuff from the museum, that was a, that was a pretty much throwaway. Yeah. It was unnecessary. It did not add anything to the story. It did. It, it just kind of made me raise my eyebrow at them for even adding it, trying to cash in a little bit. Yeah, that's that's the only real flaw in this movie is that dead mother side plot that didn't need to be there, and that that makes that's a shame that that that's just in there and whatever. And even even to the point at the end of the movie after he finally loses his shit and you know this golem that won't go away keeps coming back because he keeps going back to his master. He he has him go collect her body from the from from the mortuary and just just to go take her somewhere that I have no idea where the hell they went at the end of this movie. But you know, oh, they went to this. I, I got this place where they house some of the stuff that they're not. Gosh, that's yeah. not on display. Yes. Okay. Oh my god. But yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, it it ends in a way to to say you know what there might be a sequel, but there's not going to be a sequel to this movie because it never happened. No. I'm, I'm going to kick it to Suzanne, who claims that she loves this movie, and I do too. But Suzanne, what did you think about it? It. It. Oh, I. Other than you know, like I said, that throwaway storyline, I actually really dug the story. But I've also, I've always been a big fan of the Gollum from the 20s, and there was an incredibly great book written in the 70s called The Tribe. I find the concept of a Gollum just absolutely fucking fascinating which it made me really curious how this one how i missed this one i always like roddy mcdowell i've always he he plays a great character and it doesn't matter what he's playing he can be he's got that smarmy thing happening and you know the beaten down guy who wants revenge but he was also in you know one of my favorite movies of all time the legend of hell house i always like I, I always loved him in horror movies. And, and, of course, everybody is familiar with Fright Night. Yes. But, you know, I mean, it's... I think for the time, they did a really good job. I 
I, I really think they just kept layering so much on toward the end that they kind of lost track of what they were doing. Yeah, because they bring the fucking army in there in, in nuclear options to destroy this thing. Oh, yeah, I know. A, a, a fucking low-level warhead. Well, it's only a low-level warhead. Yes. And the ending, was it just it was one of those movies, and it just has one of those endings that just kind of stops. Well, Bell you know walks what? into the fucking ocean, and that's it. Well, Ronnie McDowell is dead. Uh, what's his name, Finn? What's, what's his name in the movie? Pim. Pim, yeah, Pim is dead now by the end of this movie. And he, I guess he has nowhere else to go because he was told to swallow the scroll that controls him. So yeah. He, he's just doomed to walk the earth without a master now. So I guess he used, he decided to go walk in the ocean and, and bury himself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy it, though. I did, too. I, I just, like I said, they, the, the throwaway and the, the abrupt ending. It's like, boom, done. I mean, I know there really can't, it really can't go anywhere else. No. But, you know, when it's finally the end, you're just kind of sitting there like, um, oh, okay. I, I do agree with the end, though. Like, like I mentioned, he, he's like a, a god with, with no master now. Yeah. But he's forced He's forced to walk the earth, you know, with, with, no, with no purpose, with nowhere to go. So he just decides to go for a swim, which is fine, you know. Yeah, I'll go swim for, I guess, until the earth, uh. Dies. Maybe he'll, find, maybe he'll find Godzilla, and Godzilla will use it to as well. You know, yeah. <laughs> it too. It came from Godzilla. You know, but yeah. But yeah, this is, this is one of those movies I look at. It's kind of a hidden gem. Yeah, it's one of those those movies I found when I was just browsing on Rare Lust for stuff to do for the show, and this was a, this is a nice surprise. So I'm kind of glad I picked it. You know. Yeah, I liked it. I I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it of course has problems, but I still I was still into it the whole time. Cool. But I guess I'll ask you, what is your rating and anything else you'd like to add about the movie? Well, first of all, Nudie's supposed to be here. So Nudie gave his rating of eight out of ten. He he really dug it. He uh he was telling me as he was watching it that you know it's kind of slow starting out, but it really picked up, and he's really he really liked how it concluded. So he gave it an eight out of ten. And Nudie really doesn't like British productions all that much. If you've heard NFW, <laughs> us us busting Suzanne's balls about the Amicus shit constantly. It's uh, yeah, he doesn't like British stuff all that much, but he really liked this, so he gave it eight out of ten. Uh, uh anything else I'd like to say about this film? Uh, it is on a double pack with a Gig Young film that I have no idea what it's called. I looked that up real, uh, before. I'll, I'll tell you guys at the end of the show just to move things along. I'm not sure if that DVD is out of print here in the States, but besides that, it is non-existent. So I, I'd imagine you should, you should check your your overseas stuff if you have a region-free player um, or possibly one of those wonderful films that they show on TCM Underground or something. Look for it there, possibly. Just look for it. Go go seek it out. It's really enjoyable. Uh, I don't I don't like the push bootleg, but if you, if you use Rare Lust, rarelust.com has a lot of films that you can't get anymore, so you don't feel too bad about downloading as far as that goes. So go check out rarelust.com. It's on there in two parts. You can get it, and you can watch it today. So there's that. Um... It's called the Shuttered Room. It's the Shuttered Room. Yeah, that's the the, the double pack it's on. I'm not sure if it's uh, available. 
um, as far as like purchasing goes without paying um, Arm and Light it's, for it. It's twenty two fifty two on Amazon. Yeah, that's, that's a little pricey for a DVD. That's okay though. Um, anywho, I give it an eight out of ten as well. Damn enjoyable, damn campy. Everything I love about a movie like this uh, shows up in this film, except for that little goofy subplot where he has a dead mother hanging around because, you know, psycho. But uh, (laughs) that's the only reason why they put that in there. I I didn't write this movie, but you could tell right when she shows up when he's talking to to the person in the chair. It It looks like the same prop. Yeah, no, it looks looks worse. It looks like a goddamn (laughs) Halloween decoration. But you can tell when, when the reveal happens that you see a skeleton body in a dress. It's like, yeah, they're pulling, they're doing the psycho thing, and for no reason whatsoever, which is the only reason why this film loses a point. I think it'd be a 9 out of 10 if it didn't have the stupid dead mom subplot. But uh, Suzanne, any final things from you? Like I said, I dug it. I really liked it, but I like a good Gollum story. And I'm pretty much, if we're all going to give you two, an 8 out of 10, and especially nudie, that's fucking shocking to me. You know what? Who am I to argue? I'll give it 8 out of 10, too. I may actually see if I can find that DVD much cheaper. Could be an eBay item. Could be. Um, I'm going to do a little digging because it was it was well worth a watch, and it's something I think I would end up watching again. Cool. Uh, next up, we go to Chi-Town, baby. The south side of Chicago, where Bad Bad Leroy Lee Brown is from. Uh, we're going to talk about a little boxing film from, from the early 90s called Gladiator. Right after this. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions. Or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael, hi. Oh, well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Mr. Riley. You are a natural kid. The power still You the boy I've been waiting for. I'm my own man, Mr. Horn. Hey, Omelette, you got some hammer, huh? And when you know people are safe, Champ, we love you. Champ, we are with you. Get him. It's illegal, Tommy. What goes on in that ring is a human cockfight. One, two, three. You baptized now. I'm talking two million bucks in your pocket. Be honest about it. You want the money, right? What do you want, Tommy? We're in this together. This is my ticket. I ain't gonna fight you. You run out on this. You better keep on running. You fight when I say. You fight against who I say. He wants you to kill each other. It's time to make a choice. It's either you or him. Hey, we gotta fight or he don't pay. You don't say no to me, boy. Cuba Gooding Jr., star of Boys in the Hood. Carl Buono. John Seda. Introducing James Marshall. Mr. Tommy. 
You're the boy I've been looking for. Gladiator. Nobody owns Tommy Riley. Nobody. Gladiator from 1992. Uh, your cheapo plot synopsis is this. Tommy Riley moved with his dad to Chicago from a nice place. Uh, the lovely town of Bridgeport, Illinois. Moving to the south side of Chicago. It's not that far away, people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in all serious, it's not, it that, really far, it's not that far away. <laughs> That's my only real flaw about this movie. He keeps to himself, goes to school... However, after a street fight, he is noticed, quickly falls into the world of illegal underground boxing. He, he falls into the uh, world of quick of underground illegal underground boxing. <laughs> I can't read for shit today. Where punches can kill. Um, I try to do it all like sinister voice, because there's some pretty, pretty boss actors in this movie. This is directed by the guy who gave us Roadhouse, Rowdy Harrington. And uh, I think another important thing to say that one of the writers is... Robert Mark Kamen, who gave us uh, the Karate Kid films in the writing sense, too. So, this has uh, a lot of feels to those kind of stuff and the Karate Kid kind of deal, but this guy already knows how to box. Uh, James Marshall, who um, you guys made up from Twin Peaks and stuff like that. I haven't watched Twin Peaks, so I couldn't tell you that I've seen him in it, but he apparently he shows up in Twin Peaks. He plays our lead, Tommy Riley. A very young Cuba Gooding Jr. shows up in this movie as Lincoln, um, his kind of his kind of Apollo friend in this movie. This is a ghetto Rocky, and I kind of love it, guys. Okay, <laughs> I kind of love totally it. Totally ghetto Rocky. Uh, Brian Dennehy is, is Jimmy Horn, tough motherfucker. Uh, who else is in this movie? Robert Loja. Robert Loja, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, John, what the hell? Uh, Oh, John Seda, uh, who who gets fucking pummeled in this movie as his, his Hispanic friend with the lovely rat tail, lovely 90s rat tail in this fucking oh, movie. Oh, God, yeah. It is amazing tail. to look at. Uh, Robert Loja, who basically plays uh, Horns number 2, Pappy Jack, shows Pappy up in this movie. <laughs> Pappy Jack. <laughs> Pappy Jack. Pappy Jack. Uh, John Hurd uh, plays John's father. Uh, the, the wonderful in this movie, especially Ozzie Davis, I love in this fucking movie. Um, as Noah, his, uh, his his quarterman. There's other people that show up in this movie that you may have seen before. But um, I'm going to kick it to Suzanne first. I don't know if she's seen this before, and I, I hope I hope this is the first time watched. I really love it. Um, what do you think of Gladiator Girl? Um, actually, no. I went to see this. Well, one of my friends talked me into going to the movies with him, and uh, I didn't know this fucking movie was playing at the drive-in. <laughs> So after I've had to uh, explain, I'm not interested in you, please stop. And he started asking me questions about my best friends. I could actually fucking watch the movie. That took all of five minutes. (laughs) This is a highly underrated film. It really is. It is. It's it's like, you know, the the kid, you know, getting, you know, parents. Well, his father had a gambling problem. His mother passed away. So they have to leave their cushy neighborhood and move to the bad part of town. About a half an hour away. Yep. You know. Well, depending on traffic, it could take an hour and a half. I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not. It's traffic is really that bad here. 
But I just the the fight sequences were great. You're right, Ozzy Davis was fantastic, and Robert Loja as the his the second in command. But I always loved Robert Loja in pretty much anything he's yeah. in. Brian Donahue, I've never really been that much of a Duh. fan of. My mom really was. My mom, I, I made a lot of comments about did, did Brian she li- Donahue. Did she like that? That that. Uh... Those FX movies with him and Brian Jones. Was it Brian? Um, Brian, Brian Brown. Here you yeah. go. Oh, I was watching FX and my mom's like, oh my God, Brian Dennehy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For a spelt man, he I can see why an old lady would be attracted to him. You know, an older lady. Well, at that point, my mom wasn't that old. <laughs> I'm just saying, though. He's, 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 he's quite, it, it, you know, a spelt man, but he's a very, you know, except that he's kind of clunky in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's swarthy. Yes. But I really, like I said, I'm really surprised this movie really didn't get much play. But I have to say there's one thing, the elephant in the room. Can we just admit that James Marshall is wooden? He is. He really is. He's just, uh, like I said. This this has to be like the first thing he's ever done, though. So they got this. No, he did a bunch of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, he did a lot of TV. Oh, okay. And twenty one jump streets and shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he just—I don't know. He—he he, he was great. He had the the perfect look for the role, but I just found him to be really stiff. And there are times I swear, Cuba Gooding, Cuba Gooding Jr. looks like he dropped out of the womb, looking like he was forty. Yeah, there's yeah. He don't move like he's forty in this movie though, because I love the Ali moves. You can tell. You can tell he really worked on his footwork in this movie, as far as being a boxer goes, because if you oh, watch, yeah. if you watch like certain scenes that he's doing the moves, he's doing the Ali footwork as far as like the crisscross of the feet, being like like showboating and stuff like that. Oh, definitely. You know, Brian Dennehy, on the other hand, <laughs> there's the is a fucking full. He's just like clucking around. There's like no footwork. Was like like he was this big shit former boxer. It's like, but he yeah, forgot what he forgot what footwork was. He's just kind of like Frankenstein around the around, around the ring, just l- throwing these fucking death blows. You know. It's, oh uh, yeah. And I, I, it's one of those movies. It's like ten minutes into the movie when he starts getting into the boxing. Well, not really ten, but maybe thirty minutes in. You know, bad shit's just gonna happen. You know, Rico Suave pretty much is knocked brain dead. Yeah, Sorry, not, spoilers. There's not one but two Gerardo songs in this movie, okay? So exactly. you're welcome. Sorry, I had to throw the Rico Suave out there. He, he literally and, played it on a boombox dancing would do it, okay? With and you knew, to his head. And you knew because of the friendship that was developing between him and Lincoln that they were going to end up having to fight each other. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the movie was well executed. I really, I'm like I said, I'm really surprised it's not more popular than it was. I don't, it's got a lot of love. I've, I've seen people comment and stuff, and I know people have seen it. Just, uh, as far as, like, in the echelon of boxing films, it's not talked about very much. And I think it's a shame. But I um, think, it, I just think it's a great story. I really enjoyed the hell out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me on the other hand, uh. I thought it sucked. No, I'm playing. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't say let's do it if I was, this is a film I didn't enjoy. Although the weak, the weak parts about the film is his relationship with the girl. Because you knew that was going to be a thing at the end where, you know what? Fighter will fucking kill her or something. You know. Uh, 
Ozzie Davis, though, he, he is the golden child of this, the golden uh, wise black man of this film because he really takes the kid under his wing. He really, you know, in essence, is really shows you what a corner man's supposed to be. And uh, I think it's really great. I think he's really great in it. Brian Dennehy, Brian Dennehy is horn. Just shows up and he fucking shows out. There's the, the, the point in the film where you show what a tough motherfucker he is because he's, he's sparring with some guy in the, in the ring and he, his big, the big thing in the film is the top of the head is the hardest part of the body. So he's trying to teach him this and this kid takes a cheap shot at him. In turn, Ryan Dennehy steps on his foot and just beats the fuck out of him dirty style. And oh, you, just, yeah. you just see what an ogre that Brian Dennehy is in this film. He said he's just a bull. It is amazing to watch, and he's an amazing bad guy in it. Where you, you got Robert Loja, who's like a second in command, who's kind of like there to be like, yeah, I just one to five, it's gonna make a lot of money, sir. But at the same time, he's concerned for for the the the, the, the fighters that are making him all this money, and um, yeah, James Marshall is not a good actor in this movie. But I guess he's the great white hope that you need. I guess in this movie. This kind of dumb guy who's who's willing to do anything to to make a buck to help pay his his father's gambling debts. Yeah, but he's actually incredibly intelligent. He is very intelligent. That that's another thing they play in the film that they really don't go too far into. Like, yeah, you 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 know about poetry and you can really be going somewhere. Yada yada yada. Why are you fighting? You know, for the thrill of chasing that cheddar, baby. Yeah. Cream dollar dollar bill, y'all. You know. Yeah, I mean, he was mostly into it to try to get his father out of gambling debt. There's one of those things where he has to fight so many fights and then he's out. Of course, you're not going to be out after that if you're working for Brian Dennehy in this movie because he is a beast <laughs> to, to the to the point of it. We get to the conclusion where it, it, it pits two friends against each other: him versus Cuba Gooding Jr. in this movie, Lincoln versus Tommy, and uh, their their two best fighters, of course, are going to fight. But they're friends, and then you get the 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 dumb thing that will get you murdered as a promoter. <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I'm not even gonna take a swing at you. Just hit me, hit me, yada yada yada. It's like, yeah, he's not gonna do that because there's a sub subplot in the film where Cuba Gooding Jr. has a, a blood clot in his brain. He's bleeding up there, and then uh, they don't want him to fight for 60 days, but he's gonna fight anyway. So he doesn't want to hit him in his head, so he's going for the body. It's all very calculated, and it's all very good. But uh, this leads to one of my favorite scenes of the entire movie, to which the match is over. And then here comes Horn, going to come into the ring to, to say, you know what, yada, 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 do what he does in the movie. He's this big brute, mean guy. He, he I think you see this in the trailer, lets this clubbing backhand to Cuba Gooding Jr., in which he flies out of the ring. Oh, just, God, yeah, that was spectacular. It was so good looking. But this guy is just a bastard. Of course, it leads to, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, if I fight you, I'm out of this. So they go bare knuckle. And he's just beating the fuck out of James Marshall. I love it. I love it so much. I don't want you want to root for the hero, but at the same time, Brian Dennehy is just a destroyer in this movie. He's beating <laughs> the fuck out of him. And, uh, of course, he plays... Again, Ali again, he plays the rope and up. My, my, my right hand is hurt from punching the top of your head, supposedly, until he turns it on. He just beats the fuck out of Brian Dennehy like he knew he was gonna end the movie. 
you know, yada, 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 changing up the guard. I'd imagine Robert Lozier runs the gym now. <laughs> I can imagine. But, um, <clears throat> great story, though. You got some great Ozzy Davis in this movie. He said, if you're watching it for anything, you watch it for some great fight, great boxing scenes, which they're not all that great. If you think about it... I don't know. I think they are. They're throwing a lot of haymakers, Sue. They're not really throwing any jabs. Yeah, I know, but that's... You know, I, I don't know. I just I, I just think it's it deserves a little bit more, you know, props than it gets. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It just needed, it needed a little bit more in the, the... the They got the ring psychology down, but they need a little more in the technical aspect of the fighting because at the end of the day, they're just throwing a bunch of haymakers and uppercuts. And that's not that's not boxing. That's just foolish, as far as if you ever watched a fight before, it didn't last more than five seconds. But um, good stuff though. Uh, good time. If you haven't seen it before, it is available digitally. You you could rent it on Vudu, iTunes, I believe. It's all over the spectrum. So uh, go check it out. I'll kick it to you, Suzanne, and ask you anything else you'd like to say, and uh, and your rating one to ten. Like I said, I just always, I've always appreciated this movie. Like I, James Marshall is not good in it, but he looks good in it. He fits the part perfectly. You need, you need a pretty white boy to get beat up. That's all that is, you know. Yeah, I guess I've always gone for the mashed nose look. <laughs> yep. But I still just, I really like this movie a lot. I'm gonna throw it like I really want to say an eight but I kind of gotta go seven and a half <laughs> I'm laughing at some right now Kyle Poling our friend from the Bloodbaths and Boob Six podcast and says gladiator dot 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 it's no Digstown and that's true but <laughs> I, do, <laughs> I, I do like both films and we'll do Digstown one day um, one thing I forgot to mention was the soundtrack of this film this is um it's a banger, I, I think, in, in certain points. I mean, it starts out with a great SEAL track, which, you know, 1992 was the time to be SEAL before all that Kiss from a Rose bullshit, you know? And uh, it's had a great SEAL track, but then you got stuff like Warren doing cover songs in here, and you don't want that in your life. <laughs> and there's the end, there's the end, where um, I thought it was Tina Turner, but it's not. Somebody doing a cover song, I think of a Rolling Stones song, I forget what it is, but there's a lot of cover songs in here. It's not Aces, but there's a couple good tracks that I would recommend, like that Seal track from the beginning is a pretty good track. It's no Judgment Night in that that, that aspect to say, that's a film we gotta do. I love Judgment Night so much, and Judgment Night gets no love in the States here, but it's it's another Chicago film. Um, But yeah, Gladiator is a, it's it's another 8 out of 10. I really, I really dig it. I think it's, I think it's terrific, and um, you get real Chicago locations, the real real shit neighborhoods that Suzanne would probably drive her car right through. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, the, the actors are great. Denny, he's great. Ozzy Davis is great. Robert Loach is always great. Uh, your male leads are so-so. But they're they're built up by these veteran actors, I think, to, to kind of, like, say, okay, you're, you're young, you're kind of shit. But we'll throw all these veteran actors in here that are that are much better than you to make it look like you can act and probably teach you some stuff. And I really appreciated that about this movie that you had an Ozzy Davis, that you had a Brian Dennehy in there who are learned actors, giving you the illusion that these kids can act. And uh, <laughs> oh, and don't forget Robert Loja. I said Robert Loja. Oh yeah, you did, didn't you? I'm yes. sorry. <laughs> well, but don't bother me about that shit. 
<laughs> no, it's alright. Um, yeah, that's about it for this one. It will be uh, right back after this. Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho Semanticast. Let us face without panic the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off uh, you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. Are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. All right. Uh, this, is the, this is an unfortunate segment this time around because we lost some real gems of the three that I'm going to mention here. Um, uh, one of which is a guy that I dislike, but I'll, I'll give him some love here. Uh, we'll go with this and um, do the butcher's block right now. Uh, first up, this hurt my soul, man. Uh, Kira Miyazaki uh, died this week. If you guys don't know who that is, he's the guy that, that wrote and directed a lot of those Studio Ghibli films. You guys may know some of them as Princess Moonoki and uh, Porco Rosso. And um, there's he, there's like 17 of these things, and they're all my, my nephew's favorite, Ponyo. I've watched Ponyo more times than I can count because they just keep churning it on and churning it on and churning it on. This wonderful little sea creature who's a little flubbing around. They love them some Ponyo. And I know they, they're sad for from um, this guy who made all these wonderful films that if you guys haven't checked them out, I think you guys should. It'd, it'd make your day a little better. Um, oh, next up, I gotta say, this is the guy that brought Bruce Lee to America and kung, a lot of kung fu films to America. Raymond Chow, these guys are all, this guy's were all in their 90s, by the way. This is the guy who ran Golden Harvest. This is the guy that brought Bruce Lee to, to our country and changed my life forever, basically. This Adonis of a man who had 2% body fat who can just beat the fuck out of people. I, I thought I thought he was great. And uh, Raymond Chow, um, his company Golden Harvest, gave us the first Ninja Turtles film. And that was one of my first big theater experiences. 
uh, little me in, in a Cub Scout uniform with my Cub Scout troop going to see this this Turtles film that I still love today. He gave it that Asian flavor that it needed, which got totally ripped away in the second one by Brian Henson. You know, just like took that beautiful Asian visage away from it and said, you know what? Let's make these turtles funny. Let's let, let, let them use their weapons. It's like, yeah. Thanks, Brian Henson, you pack of dicks. You know. Oh, last one, but certainly not least. A guy I've talked about on the show before countless times that I don't like very much. But, um, I guess the the father, the, well, the face of... <laughs> I'm going to say the face of Marvel Comics. Uh, Stan Lee has, has gone on to his eternal wrestling place. I hope he's with his wife and not in hell. You see, I'm a nice guy, people. Because he loved his wife very much. And uh, uh, this is the guy with Steve Ditko, with John Romita Sr., with Jack Kirby, uh, created the Marvel Universe that you're seeing today. A lot of it. Iron Man, Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, The Avengers. Just name some names. Stan Lee was involved with them. He just didn't do it by himself. And I keep seeing these fucking articles talking like he did it by himself like no he didn't do it by himself but he had a big part of it now I will recognize that and he was beloved by a lot of people <clears throat> he had some stuff happen to him within the last couple of years which should never happen to him, uh, an elder should never happen to them but he got fucked by his management fucked by his family and that's fucking shameful to, 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 to happen to anybody but uh Stan Lee Excelsior uh, Godspeed. Hope you're getting beaten in the chest by your counterparts in heaven because, yeah, you deserve something, something there, Stan Lee. And I hope it's a, a blanket party, full metal, full metal jacket style by Kirby Ramita and Ditko, just beating the fuck out of you. But then having some beers afterwards, so you guys you can like shake it off or something. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that one alone. But um. I want to say that me and Suzanne had a great time at Days of the Dead in Chicago. Yes, we did. And if you're interested, and you guys should be, this should be out, I'm hoping, by, like, tomorrow. Uh, a week from tomorrow, uh, being uh, the, the second Saturday in uh, December, the Fleece and Flicks charity auction is, is happening. It's going to be on and popping. I already have a lot of auction <laughs> items posted. On the, the Facebook event page, where all the bids will be taken in the comments section. Uh, this is an international auction. There are Clive Barker autographs in there, people. So if you're a horror fan, the, uh, items in there include that uh, cast sign photo minus Ken Sagos and Rodney Eastman from Friday the 13th, I mean, uh, from uh, Never on Elm Street Part 4. You have a dual autograph for from Jason Patrick and Keeper Sutherland for the Lost Boys in there. There's some pretty powerhouse stuff in there this time around and I wish you, I hope you guys will come check it out and bit strong bit hard people and uh get, get on that for the South Suburban Humane Society where uh it's a no kill shelter where they they help a lot of animals there and uh they don't kill them when they they, they discard them like they did nothing you know I hate that shit but uh y'all need a home if you don't have a dog go find a dog and get a get a, get a rescue I know Sue's looking Sue, Sue needs a buddy and uh I do. Needs a, needs a puppy. She needs she go find herself a puppy. But uh, yeah, puppy. puppy. Go puppy. find yourself. Go find yourself a puppy. Go find yourself a, <laughs> a, a, a little Connery there. See, you know, you can name that dog Connery. You know, 
just like Duncan mentioned that, that, that him and Bo were doing a Highlander commentary. I was like, well, Highlander 2 would be a much more easy conversation to have, you know, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Um, yeah, please afflict charity auction. I'm, I'm always appreciated by the support. Uh, tell a friend, tell a loved one to say, hey, uh, this would be a nice little stocking stuffer, and uh, it could be yours if the, your, your bid is the highest one. So thanks again. But uh, Suzanne, please push your stuff right now. Oh, uh, the NFW podcast on that is on Horophilia <laughs> with Nudie and Willis and Jake the Snake. And She's you can like, find me on Twitter at Flyo One and the Book of Face. She's adding those H's to it now, see? <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame her, it's her lozenges probably. You know? Yeah, it is. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, this show and the two drink minimum commentaries can be found on legionpodcast.com and um, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast will be podcast. Uh, should, should be uh, <laughs> coming with a new episode. We're going to do Death Stalker 2 as promised, but we're also going to cover Creed 2 and Wreck Ralph Breaks the Internet and, and more of a death that I have on here. On um, Hopefully I'll have at least one guest for Creed 2 and who knows what else for Wreck Ralph. Uh, we're going to work that out. But I look for that soon. Most importantly, though, Fleas and Flicks, I'll mention it again. Go find the Facebook event page. I'm going to send some invites out tomorrow because it's a week away. Um, it's dropping hard for you, for your loved one. And, uh, yeah. Um, that's about it for this one. Uh, this has been your Sin Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you next time. Bye. Loneliness, that's a killer.